Welcome to Real Estate Coaching Radio, starring award-winning real estate coaches and number one international best-selling authors, Tim and Julie Harris. Real Estate Coaching Radio is the nation's number one daily radio show for realtors who demand authentic, real-time coaching. Get ready for fluff-free, unfiltered, full-strength honesty about what's truly working to get you into action, helping others, and making money now in today's real estate market. Now to our hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. We are back, and we have a fun topic. Julie and I like talking about real estate, love drilling down with you guys about you know making money in real estate. But the other thing that we really love doing, because it's kind of synonymous, is we really love talking to entrepreneurs. Because at the end of the day, if you're going to be successful selling real estate or really doing anything, you've got to see yourself as an entrepreneur because that's what you are. Entrepreneurialism, is that a word? I think so. If not, it, it is. is now. <laughs> for, this, for the next half hour. I endorse it. it. Thank you. That's right. Thank God the elections are over, right? Woo! Right. That was boring. Yeah. Yes. So it is something that is a one of the tenets of being um, – it's like this myth, mytho, mythological thing in the United States that it does not really exist, even though being an entrepreneur, entrepreneur itself is a French word. You, Those of you who have not traveled might find – well, you would find it very surprising – to know that in most of the country, rather, I'm sorry, reframe, most of the world, entrepreneurialism is not seen like it is in the United States. In other words, people come to the United States because they know you will be embraced if you're an entrepreneur and start a company and do the rest of it. And the rest of the world, don't mean to sound political, but it is what it is, where there's more of a socialistic mindset that is not what you experience. Julie and I have traveled, unless you've actually traveled to countries which are socialist, you will not know what we're telling you, and we'll, you'll not know that it's true. Be very mindful of the Mickey Mouse, the political you know, propaganda and, that's on the news. You all should just ignore it and get your own information, and you'll see when you're sitting you know, outside in Sweden or even France or England or England less so, you're going to talk with folks and you're going to see and they're going to say things to you that really help you to realize the huge difference that our culture is to, to pretty much all over the world. They, the entrepreneurial spirit is not alive and well in the rest of the world like it is in the United States. And what really a lot of the political stuff is about is keeping that tenet of what it means to be an American alive embracing the entrepreneur, not essentially belaboring the entrepreneur with a bunch of oversight and a bunch of regulation and then making the entrepreneur feel you know, guilty when they make a lot of money and they're successful. I mean, all, this, the, all these things that slow all of us down sometimes that we have to battle with. You know, it's interesting. I was just talking with one of our coaching clients, Julie, and um, I was asking him, uh, so he's taking listings now and he's overcoming the holiday objection, which is great. He's using our scripts and the rest of it. But I, and he was surprised when I said this. I said, you've got to be careful that when you're talking to folks, when you're you know, 60 days out from Christmas, that you do not try to you know, hammer them too hard about listing now opposed to waiting after the holidays. And he goes, hold on, you taught us all these scripts and how to overcome the holiday objection. It's working. I go, I know. But the closer you get to the holidays, you've got to remember there's all kinds of other irrationality as far as psychology starts to kick in. 
And I said, so give me an example, and this was a man, give me an example of what you think about when you think of the holidays. And he said, family, football, eating, you know, a lot of sitting around doing nothing. I said, so, okay, so what do you think your wife thinks? He paused and he goes, lots of stress. That's right. So if you're talking to somebody about putting their house for sale over the holidays, uh, even if logically it makes sense, which guys in a, in a decrease in most of the markets in the United States – House values are not going to be higher next year. They're going to be lower or flat. So financially speaking, logically, analytically, hell yeah, you want to have your house for sale now. But when you're when you're confronted with the emotions of the holidays, which are pretty much prevalent with everybody, and women unfortunately carry those burdens a little bit more than most men do, you know, it just is what it is. Then if you then start to try to pile on and say, hey, let's get your house listed now. You're going to probably find yourself not listing a lot of houses, and not only that, you're going to be burning bridges because they're just perceiving you as another added stressor in their lives. So I told him to be sensitive to that and just you know, maybe throttle it down a little bit in some occasions when he feels too much pushback. Go ahead, go on the listing appointments, get the contract signed, but post-date them so they start early next year, <laughs> opposed to trying to add more things for the seller to have to, you know, the owner to have to worry about over the holidays. I'm just throwing that out for all of you guys. Just to keep that in mind, and these are like the, the types of thoughts that when you're an entrepreneur, what you really are is truly a business owner. So you need to be seeing yourself not just as a salesperson, but you need to actually be seeing things from a global perspective as a business owner, and that's what really gets difficult. So like in the example I just gave you, you know, he was doing the right thing. He was getting the contract signed. He was trying to execute it. He was trying to get another listing for this year. He was trying to you know, do all the rest of it, but what he needed to see, uh, and he did, it wasn't much effort on my part, is he needed to see the total ramifications like a business owner would of the decisions that he's making now uh, versus, you know, basically maybe thinking a little bit further into the future, six months or 12 months. But nobody teaches us how to do that. You, and nobody is born with that innate ability to be an entrepreneur. Some people claim they are. It's a big ego thing, you know, whatever. But the truth is, is that you might have people occasionally that have quick success in business, but they have also a tendency to have quick failure in business because the lessons that you learn from actually having been successful as a business owner for a long period of time, you, you can't learn those anyplace else. You can't learn those working for somebody else. You can't learn those from a book. You can have little breadcrumbs that you pick up from maybe working for an entrepreneur or maybe reading a book or reading a biography or just those types of exposure things can make it so that you have some uh, foundational beliefs about what it makes, means to be an entrepreneur. But truly, to be a small business owner, to take an idea that didn't exist before or frankly, the more sensible approach to being a business owner is take an idea that's proven to exist, that's proven to work, and just basically doing it at a, at a higher level. That's the smarter way to start to be a business owner. So Julie's going to get to her 12 points. Before we get there, I have a question for all of you. All right, so here's the thought for all of you. And this is, your, this is an entrepreneurial test. Now, I'm going to just lay out the uh, this is a it's a test it's a one question test if i were to give you the following $25,000 and the yellow pages and you know yellow pages for those of you <laughs> don't know is a big fat book of nothing other than business directory okay it doesn't really exist anymore you may have seen one in you know in some archival footage of the long forgotten about in 80s the museum. and 90s but in the museum, or your parents may have talked about it, but the yellow pages is 
essentially what businesses used to pay to have the name of their business and sometimes an ad and a phone number listed. And then when you wanted to go and find somebody, you wouldn't go to Google. You'd go to the Yellow Pages. doesn't exist anymore, but it doesn't matter. Just stay with me here. If I were to give you $25,000 in the Yellow Pages and I were to pluck you up from where you are – oh, and by the way, the answer can't be what you're doing now, so I'll about to, I'm about to ask, ask the question – and I were to take you from your market now, and I were to drop you any other place I wanted to in the United States. And all you had for reference in the questions, you, what you had to figure out was, your challenge was, you have to start a new business. And for those of you in real estate who are listening, which is most of you, the answer can't be real estate. You can't just hit the easy button. You have to go to the yellow pages. I've given you some startup capital, 25 grand to restart your business. And again, it can't be real estate. You know, you can't just restart what you've already done. I'm making this a little bit more challenging for you. And your only reference material is going to be the local yellow pages. That's it. I want you guys to tell me, how would you, you know, go through the yellow pages deciding what business to get into? How would you decide? Now, I've asked this question, though I haven't asked that question in probably two years. Have you heard? I don't think we've asked it on this podcast. It's nope. a great question, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Totally. So if that was that was, that was the only that was the only thing that I gave you as your reference material, is the yellow pages. What would you do? How would you decide what business would you get into? Just literally answer that question. Say it out loud. Say it in your head. You have the yellow pages. You're going through the yellow pages. You're trying to decide which section, what you know, what business are you going to get into? Here's what I found having asked that question a bunch of times before, is most people will say, I'm going to go to the end of the yellow pages and I'm going to search out the section that has the least uh, competition. In other words, I'm not going to go to a I'm not you know, I'm going to go to where there's the least amount of players. I'm going to look for a business segment that has virtually nobody in it and, and that's what I'm going to try to get into. Right? Isn't that what most of you thought? Isn't that sort of the intuitive answer? You want to go to a place where there's no competition or there's little competition? But that's actually the wrong answer. And here's why. Because if you want to be successful, assuming that was your aim, you want to go to where the, there were the most businesses that were flourishing. Because if there was a bunch of, for example, it doesn't matter what they are, candlestick makers. You know, okay, maybe that's a bad example. If there are a bunch of, say, landscapers, and the landscaping section was just massive in the Yellow Pages, that means that there were a whole bunch of landscaping businesses that are able to pay that, which was extraordinarily expensive Yellow Pages ad every month, and to basically, you know, try to drum up business for themselves. And if there's, if there's like 20 or 30 or 300 companies that are all vying for the attention of the person scanning the yellow pages, that would tell you that that is a very profitable segment to be in. And the competition being as, as aggressive that it was or as, as, as many as it was should also indicate to you that that's probably a growing opportunity. It's counterintuitive to the way most of us think. I, I, I totally understand that most of us would say, in 99% of the time I ask the question, everyone says, I would look for the section that had the least competing businesses, and that's what I would do. Whereas the right answer is you go to the section that has the most businesses that are already successful because the market segment has been proven to work. Intuitively, do you guys understand what I'm saying? So when you're deciding in the, today's show, tomorrow's show, maybe the following day is on basically what the tenets of being an entrepreneur, the first thing you've got to realize if you want to be successful as an entrepreneur is you've got to think differently than everybody else. 
you can't just like your intuitive uh, your intuitive answer most of you was to go to the section where there's no competition but the exact opposite answer was the right answer isn't that fascinating and what do most people do when they try to get into a business or they're trying to choose what business to get into they they make that same they make that same bad decision and when they get into any when they decide to for example get into like a, say you want to open up a, an athletic store or you want to open up your own gym what do you? What do most people do? What What is nobody else doing? Okay, we got Orange Theory. We got you know this thing. We got this thing. We got this thing. Screw all them. Even though there's five Orange Theories, you know, even though there's ten CrossFits, and even though there's five of these other type of gyms around me, I'm not going to do any of that. I'm going to do something no one's ever heard of before. Well, that's stupid. It has nothing to do with making money. That's nothing. That's something else. That's you just trying to be a, you know, you're just, it's like a, a creative outlet for you. That's not about making money. You're not going to be, like even, for example, Steve Jobs. Everyone says the greatest entrepreneur of our lifetimes, and there's all other people that are, he didn't create computers or technology. He just basically went where essentially the strongest currents were already carrying them, and then he just leveraged the existing technology, and then they essentially created products around that. So when you're deciding, for example, what you're going to do in your real estate business, the worst thing for you to do is spend a whole bunch of time in trying to make something unique if your goal is to help people and make money. That's the reason the branding stuff, that's the reason all this other stuff is just goofy. Do where You have to go where the business already is. You have to go where the people already have their hands up in the air and saying, please help me. That would be in, in, in our, you know, what Julie and I and our coaching company teaches, would obviously be focusing on listings. Literally, for the sake of you know, a long-term stable business, don't even think about buyers. When you first get into real estate, everyone's going to tell you, or you, know, you guys know this to be true, those of you who've been in the business for 10 years, you've never broken away from your dependency on buyers. That's the reason that companies like Zillow exist, because you are so dependent on buying buyer leads because you don't know how to take listings, whereas if you knew how to take listings, you'd realize you'd have to beat the buyers off the stick. Why don't you learn how to take listings? Why don't you go where the money is? Why don't you go where essentially the most profitable real estate uh, entrepreneurs would do what they're doing? Doesn't that make the most sense, Julie? Yeah, and it's funny you mentioned that because I got that exact question during our premier coaching session yesterday. And I don't even think it was from a newer agent, but it was like uh, he was kind of – I don't know, searching would be the best, nicest way to put it, searching for the magic buyer solution. Um, And the answer is exactly what you just said. (coughs) Excuse me. It's not a problem when you have listings. So I translated his question to aren't what you're really asking about is how to get more listings. And we did our podcast about the magic number over the past few days. So that is the way towards that. And, you know, I like this topic too, Tim, the entrepreneurial um, topic because so many agents get away from that and they get distracted and they think the business is pushing them around and they're not, they're not really clear on what it means to be entrepreneurial, what it means to be profitable, what it means to really um, thrive in this business because there's so many distractions. So that's why I wanted to uh, get back into this and help them understand what is an entrepreneur, what are the traits that make a successful entrepreneur. Is it possible to do that on your own? And, you know, because nobody, it's not like that's on your licensing exam. How am I going to be a no. profitable entrepreneur? They don't teach you that. They should. So, Julie, I'm going to tell our listeners something funny. 
Okay. I guess you know what I'm going to say. No. <laughs> so, yes. So Julie has a broker's license in Ohio and an agent's license in Ohio. I Well, had, right? We let them expire. And I have uh, an agent's license in Ohio. I let it expire. Julie's got an agent's license in California. She let it expire. <laughs> so she's got like three licenses from different states. And um, we're she's going to get a, a Texas license because of some of the business things we're getting involved in, and uh, yeah, so she's it's it's uh, she's having to sit there through 180 hours of uh, uh, Texas pre-licensing to get her license again. Uh, so it's it's putting her back in connection with her uh, the new agent yes. vibe that she hasn't felt in like 25 years, and realizing how really futile most it's of the. Me. Well, the pre-licensing yeah, like, stuff, how really useless it is when it comes to actually being successful yes. in real estate. I mean, we, we sort of remembered that, but not the hours of monotony. <laughs> yeah, it is about 50%. Like I read some of the questions going, after having actually done thousands of transactions, not to mention hundreds of thousands of coaching calls with all of you guys, I read some of the questions and I'm like, not once have I needed to know that. Not once. <laughs> you know, I, I can swear that I will never use that, okay? I mean, some and crazy Julie stuff. Found, now, yeah. it, it, well, and you, it, Julie's actually found on the test, <laughs> listeners and people that know Julie won't find this surprising, she's actually found some of their answers wrong, and they've admitted it. So she's yes. actually found some of their answers, and she goes, this is, this is wrong. So she actually knows the material better than the people who made the test in some cases. <laughs> Yeah, anyway, it's a little. They probably know. hate me, but you know when you when you do your <laughs> when you do your quizzes to get your certificates, it'll show you what you got wrong, which is nice, and then it'll then it shows you what the right answer was, and then it shows the justification for it. And there's been two or three times where it's like, it's it's mostly terminology getting tangled up. But I read it, I'm like, no, I'm absolutely certain that is not the right answer. So I'll cut and paste it and send it to the higher-ups over there, and I'm sure that they hate seeing that from me now and then. But, uh, but I well, will say yeah, that I, it, it, it yeah. has gotten a little bit more practical since the last time I did this or did CE credit. They've got some scripts in there. They've got some good stuff about um, you know, getting your buyer agency signed and how at risk you are versus having listings when you don't have something in writing. I mean, I, I think you know some of it's – somewhat educational but yes i'm in touch with my inner relicensing so if you guys think you're pre-licensing for those of you uh, who are new in the business or getting your licenses if you think that has anything to do with what it's going to take to make you successful no. in business sorry charlie no. not even relate remotely related the skill set you have to have to be successful yeah wouldn't it it would be a hell of a lot easier wouldn't it the skill set you have to have to be successful in real estate has nothing to do with the licensing requirements. By the way, um, I, I just got a text. Those of you who are looking for the real estate treasure map, yes, it's still available for free. Just go to freecoachingcallsforagents.com, freecoachingcallsforagents.com, and download it along with six other books, and you're also entitled to a coaching call with one of our new member coaches. All right, Julie, let's get to point number one. Yes, you got it. So – 12 signs that you have an entrepreneurial mindset. Uh, you Number one, point number one, and I used uh, Barbara Corcoran as an example. She's the founder of the Corcoran Group and uh, is on the Shark Tank. Many of you watch that. She says that people who have a concept but not necessarily a detailed strategy are actually more likely to have that entrepreneurial je ne sais quoi. Um, she says it's okay to invent as you go. Now, what do we call this? You'll hear this all the time on our coaching calls. 
it, your job is to earn while you learn. And in fact, Corcoran believes that only those who study business will, will become prone, some who, quote, study, this is the getting ready to get started thing, become prone to overanalyzing situations. It's analysis paralysis. I see this with you guys who are starting on expireds and you want to research the daylights out of that. Who was the listing agent? Why did it expire? How many days in the market was it? You know what? Who cares if they don't have to sell? You don't need to do that. It's just creative avoidance, analysis paralysis. So what is the solution? Well, actually follow your real estate treasure map, your 90-day massive action plan or your survival guide. Follow it. Don't just write it. I would also <clears> – <throat> well, I, actually, this is my next point. The result of these plans, it will create for you, or you will create from doing it, your ideal daily schedule, which reflects your goals. 90% of your time should be in action during the day versus the typical agent who spends 90% of their time getting ready to get started or researching and analyzing and all that kind of stuff. So I think Corcoran's point was she sees successful entrepreneurs, and I think, Tim, you and I would attest to this, that some of our most successful agents are the more flexible, resilient, willing to learn on the go, because the fact is you're never – ever going to know everything there is in real estate to know. So you might as well give that up. It's actually an expression of ego to think that you could ever get to that point. Remember, they changed well, right the rules on you all the time anyway. Well, yeah, right there, that's really the bottom line with the getting ready to get started. It's just an expression of ego. Who, Julie, who is the gal, the gal that uh, – Cheryl Sandberg, gal that runs Facebook basically, mm-hmm. or at mm-hmm. least is trying to run it with Zuckerberg. And what did she say? Uh, done – or see – uh, perfect is the enemy of done. Is that it? Or you remember that I think quote? That's right. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Perfect. Or is done the is enemy better than perfect. Done. Something like that. No, 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 no. Perfect is the. I think it's perfect is the enemy of done or something. Anyway, the point of yeah. it is, is that she's dealing with a lot of analytical programmers and whatnot, and the gist of what they're always trying to do is procrastinate, saying it's done, and you know why? Because they don't want to be criticized if it's not perfect. That's why it's an ego yeah. thing. Analytical people. Well, I mean, Julie's analytical, very analytical, and she's somebody who has had to battle their strengths with that personality trait, but there's yeah. also weaknesses with it. By the way, if you guys want to find out what personality style you are, I forget to mention this site all the time, we did create a free DISC test called agentdisc.com, agentdisc.com. Go there, take the test. It takes probably about, I don't know, 10 minutes, but it'll give you a whole detailed profile on what you are personality-wise. Pretty clever, actually. Pretty cool. Um, so, yeah. So, Julie, how did you move past the done is the enemy or, you know, what I'm trying to say? Yeah, perfect is the enemy. Well, I'm going to Google that while you answer the question. <laughs> yes. Well, at some point when, you know, you start doing enough volume, you have to operate that way or you will find a business speed limit. That would be one answer. But how to actually practically deal with this. And I, I do this on quite a few coaching calls, actually, for clients that have a perfectionist slash analytical tendency like I do is to realize that there are certain things that you can apply that to which will really create a lot of success for you. So it's not that you have to reject that tendency. You just have to know where to apply it. You don't have to, and, and people get tangled up in this DISC thing too and think that because I'm so analytical, I can't be as successful as a driver or something. We're not asking you to change your personality style. We're asking you to understand it at a higher level so you can be more appropriate in, with your business. So for example, if you're very detail-oriented and perfectionist, where in real estate do you apply that? Well, certainly with writing contracts correctly, no texting, no voicemail, no verbal baloney. 
So that's one place you can be a perfectionist. Secondly is you can be a perfectionist with yourself following your own prescribed daily schedule that should have something to do with your goals. You should be a perfectionist with tracking your profitability. You can be a perfectionist with being of service in every case with every client. But where can you not apply that? Well, guess what? Even the most seemingly perfect deals always have problems, don't they? Okay? And sometimes that's agent-created. Sometimes it's happenstance. It just happens. There are no perfect deals. I remember being very frustrated with what we thought was like a textbook most perfect deal. And like the seller would have some attitude and, and they would wreck it because they wanted to have more drama since their last deal is full of drama. You know, that can happen. It can be an agent mistake. You're going to have trouble with your deals. Just accept it and let go of that perfectionism. But you can take measures to try and set yourself up for success. So it's a matter of knowing where to step on that gas and where to let off of it so you don't make yourself insane. That's my long question. Perfect is the short. We, we had it right, Joy. Perfect is the enemy okay. of done. Okay, that's what – okay. And number yeah, two – you'll never get it if done. You're, if, if, you're, <laughs> if you're analytical by nature, which you know, a good number of you are, you're going to want to uh, be perfect at this one thing to summarize what Julie just said. And here it is, doing what you don't want to do when you don't want to do it at the yeah. highest level. So Better what an analytical person will do – yes, what an analytical person will do – is they'll have a tendency to, when they push past their own lazy bullshit, is they'll then start saying, well, I'm, I'm, doing what I'm, you know, I'm doing what I don't want to do when I don't want to do it. But what they won't do is at the highest level. So when we have an analytical person as a coaching client, they're trying to learn a new skill. They're trying to get something done that they haven't done before. You know, I'm asking some of these agents that Julie and I work with that are selling these multi-multi-million-dollar houses, and their markets are turning, and more expired listings are coming up. They want to do all the lazy shit you guys do of mailing letters and all this stuff that doesn't work. And we're telling them to call, go knock on the door. We're telling them to actually put themselves in a position where they could, and they are petrified because they have they're coming from these in their minds these lofty positions of being the best agents in the market. And oh my gosh, what is the seller going to think of me? I don't want them to think I'm so uh, desperate. I don't want them to think I'm some sort of, you know, whatever. All these ego thoughts pour into their brains and prevent them from you realizing what the seller would – if you use our scripts, hey, I was in the neighborhood, uh, thought I'd pop by. I was just talking with one of the house, the owners I just sold a house for down the way. Um, I remember that your home just showed up on our computer as an yet-to-be-sold listing. Uh, it really shocked me, surprised me. I was just popping over to see if you're still interested in getting it sold or your own version of that. So you do that. No one's going to slam the door in your face. No one's going to be angry at you. They know who you are probably. You said you just were successful at selling a house in the neighborhood. All these things. So people will still, even at a very high level, still allow themselves to not put themselves in a position of doing things at the highest level. In other words, doing what you don't want to do when you don't want to do it at the highest level. The Doing what you don't want to do when you don't want to do it is mailing the letter. At the highest level is putting yourself in a position where you could hear no. The letter is just lazy of trying not to actually put yourself in a position where you could hear no. Do you understand the difference, listeners? You see what we're asking you to do? So for those of you, and I know you have to get to Premier Julie, so for those yes, of you, you who have, uh, are um, and, uh, you know, of the analytical mindset and you have this perfectionist tendency, as does Julie, you have to acknowledge the fact that all you're really doing is you're just being lazy and you're procrastinating. You're being lazy and you're procrastinating 
because you're saying I have to learn more. I have to master it. I have to become the best at it. I have to know this backwards and forwards. And what happens if they ask this question or that question? I don't want to be caught with my, you know, pants down. I don't want to have any of these. Blah, blah, blah. Your mind fills with all these, you know, detailed excuses why you're actually not taking the actions. That's going to keep you broke or make you broker. That's the bottom line. You're never going to go anywhere in your life. You don't have to live like that. You just have to push past it, even if it terrifies you. The more something scares you, the more important it is that you do it. The more something terrifies you, the more you should be knowing that on the other side of – you don't even have to master it. You just have to do it. You will always probably be scared of doing the things that we ask you to do, All, never want to do the things that we're asking you to do, but it doesn't matter. You have to do them anyway. That's the truth of what one of the tenets of being an entrepreneur you have to be willing to do what you don't want to do when you don't want to do it at the highest level. At the highest level means you have to be there to get the result, not just to say, well, I made a contact, nothing came from it. Listeners, are we breaking through to some of you? Look, I'm not naive. I'm not stupid. Julie and I have been in this industry between selling real estate and coaching agents for just literally forever. So I know at the end of the day that probably only 10% of you are really registering what we're saying. The rest of you, probably, eventually, most of you, will either embrace what we're saying to be true because you're going to have enough fails that you're going to realize what we're saying is true, or you're going to wish you would have embraced what we're saying is true. Uh, am I trying to sell you a lead generation system or a CRM, or am I trying to sell you any easy button stuff? Nope. I'm trying to sell you the truth, and it's hard. That's, so, that's the reason so few people do it. Because they want the easy. They want, they want to take the easiest, the easiest perceived path, even though 99% of the time it doesn't lead anywhere because that's the same path everybody else is taking. Are you hearing what I'm telling you? Is it registering with you? Let us know. Send us an email, tim at timandjulieharris.com or julie at timandjulieharris.com. If you're on iTunes, please give us a five-star rating and please um, subscribe to the to the. Uh, you know the podcast, and when you do, the newest show will be automatically pushed to your uh, iPhone or your you know Android device. It'll you know you guys get the idea. So please do do that. I know most of you do, but continue to subscribe on iTunes and give us a five star rating. I don't understand how the witchcraft and alchemy <laughs> at iTunes works, but it does help the um, site get, or I'm sorry, the podcast be more promoted amongst agents, and I, I certainly appreciate that. So guys, listen, this is your market if you choose for it to be. Or you can wait for the, basically the tides to completely go out, and then you're going to essentially realize that, like most everybody else, you weren't ready for the new market. It's up to you. If there's anything we can do for you, it's Tim at TimAndJulieHarris.com or Julie at TimAndJulieHarris.com. You guys have a fantastic day. We'll talk to you on the show tomorrow. And remember, we have literally thousands of past podcasts you can listen to on iTunes or over on our main website, TimAndJulieHarris.com. This program has been a presentation by Tim and Julie Harris, Real Estate Coaching. For more information on our real estate coaching and training programs, visit our website at timandjulieharris.com. Remember to tune in weekdays at noon for upcoming shows. And until next time, thank you for listening to Real Estate Coaching Radio. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.